0: Welcome to Mile High Magazine. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping events in Colorado. Presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And welcome in to another edition of Mile High Magazine. I am Murphy Houston. Happy Sunday. We always like to uh, bring in discussions that are most informative, things happening right here in your community. And today is no exception. We're going to talk about the Crisis Center. And with me is Amy McCandless, the Director of Development for the Crisis Center. And Amy, welcome in.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's the first time we've talked to you about the Crisis yes, Center. It is. And, you know, I've heard about the Crisis Center, but everybody goes, what kind of crisis are we talking here? Is it a health dis- problem or... Is it a physical problem? What is the problem? So let's start by asking you that. Tell us about the Crisis Center and what you do here in the community.
1: Definitely. So we've been around since 1985. And we serve um, victims of domestic violence, adults and children who have been impacted by family violence. We have a 24-hour crisis line, an emergency shelter, therapy programs, legal advocacy, and community-based advocacy. And we also do a lot of outreach and education to the community, um, law enforcement, schools, and just the broad community in general.
0: And what size community do you serve? Is it all of Colorado or what?
1: Great. So we serve um, primarily the 18th Judicial District. So that is Douglas, Elbert, Lincoln, and parts of Arapahoe counties.
0: So not the metro Denver area so Correct. much. We have yeah.
1: partnerships with other shelters and other domestic violence agencies that serve those communities, but we're primarily South Denver.
0: So how did it all start? I mean, you said what, 1985? 1985.
1: 1985. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it actually started with a group of women um, back in that day that Wanted to make a difference and wanted to to do something to help survivors um, of domestic violence and victims of domestic violence and started with a phone line and an emergency shelter at that point in time. And it just grew to um, expand to having therapy services and legal services. And um, we've changed our name a few times. And we were actually one of the first shelters in the state to serve men who are victims of domestic violence as well. And transgender individuals. So we take an all-inclusive approach. You know, domestic violence does not discriminate and we work to serve everybody.
0: Well, and and that's probably a good question to lead into domestic violence. It really does impact everyone because we were discussing some things before we started talking here and I never had the vision that men could be a (laughs) victim of domestic violence. I mean, absolutely. how does how does that work? Yeah. I mean, how does that happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a common misconception that it's it's women and it's weak women or it's uneducated women. And that's really not the case at all, um, particularly with the community that we serve. We see. Men, women, transgender individuals. We see a lot of wealthy individuals that are victims of domestic violence. Um, A common misconception it doesn't happen here, whatever here might be, Right. right? Wherever that could be for that person. It really does. One in three women are affected by domestic violence, one in seven men are affected.
0: And is it their wife or their girlfriend that are yeah, being definitely physically be. violent yeah. with
1: them? Physically, emotionally, um, we see a lot of verbal abuse. Domestic violence is about power and control. It's not about somebody losing their temper or having too much to drink or having a terrible outcome of the football game the night before. It's really about power and control over another person. And women can absolutely exert that over men.
0: And it's ongoing. It's not like a a one-time incident, maybe two times. It's going on a lot.
1: Correct. It's very cyclical. And it's also generational. A lot of what we see with the kiddos that we work with is if little boys are growing up in homes that are unsafe, they are much more likely to become perpetrators themselves. Likewise, really? little girls. Yeah, little girls that if grow up in it, homes. If they see it happening with absolutely. their parents, absolutely. it
0: could just continue on with them.
1: Little kids are sponges, right? they yeah, They, they take what they learn. They take what they see, and that's what they do. That's how they act. So our work is really to kind of break that cycle and, and help to educate um, parents and little kids themselves to help to break that.
0: Well, how's it tough working yeah. with little kids? Do they understand? Do they do they grasp what you're trying to educate them about?
1: It's tough. Little kids are smart. Um, you know, I, I'll share a quick story. We had a moment um, in our play therapy room. One of our therapists, we offer play therapy for kids. And when a kid is in the play therapy room, they're playing. Like, it's their world of toys and dress-up and art and fun. But the way in which they play allows our therapy team to work with that child and see that there's some stuff going on there depending upon how they play, Right. Little boy and the therapist are sword fighting with little plastic swords. And it was therapy session was over. And the therapist told the little boy, "Okay, put your sword away. And there was a toy box on the side of the wall. And he threw it towards the toy box, missed the toy box and hit the window, broke the window, Oh! started crying, screaming, cowered down and told the therapist, just hit me and get it over with. What? Just hit me and get it over with. Seven year old little boy. That's what he told our therapist our therapist said, no, 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 that's not how we do things here. She was able to talk him down, make him understand it was purely an accident. He was going to be allowed to come back to have his therapy session to play, right? And teach him in that moment, accidents happen. She was able to give him unconditional love, understanding, and teach him that this is not going to end in abuse. It's not going to end in you being hit. We're going to be able to come back here and keep working through this.
0: So that's what was happening to him at his... Home. absolutely but how does he adjust to that you're telling him one thing but then he's got to go mm-hmm. back into that environment yeah and it's going to happen again
1: yeah likely absolutely so yeah. how does
0: that how does a young child handle that
1: good question I think therapy um advocacy healthy healthy relationships with other parents other um adults in his life teachers you know school counselors perhaps depending on the age right it's it's balancing that wow. really good influence with the not so good influence that he probably has as well
0: is it both parents involved with that? Are they both punishing this child? Is it one and not the other? Do you intervene further? Hey, listen, he's telling us What's going on at your house? Do you get that deep into it at the crisis center?
1: Occasionally. Yeah. If, no. if we need to, absolutely. Oftentimes you don't see abuse by both parents. Um, it's usually by one who's the perpetrating parent um, versus the victim parent, if you will. Um, it, it really depends. We, we work from a systems approach. And so oftentimes we are working with schools or with teachers and counselors um, with the the victim parent. Oftentimes we do not serve perpetrators at the crisis center. Um, if there's dual decision making from a parent, We will incorporate that parent, you know, for some decision-making if needed, but we don't serve the perpetrating parents.
0: And if there is a child involved and it gets to that point where it's just not changing, do you you pull the child? Can you have the authority or work with social services or yeah. somebody to go in and say, hey, we got to get him out of that situation. Yeah.
1: Just like a lot of teachers um, and, and coaches and that sort of thing, staff and volunteers at the crisis center are called mandated reporters. And so if something like that comes up, we absolutely report that to DHS, um, Department of Human Services, and they intervene if, if needed. Yeah, right. absolutely. So that's our due diligence on our end is to do the reporting piece.
0: So when a, let's switch back to a husband or in particular a wife. If they want out, you're there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Explain how that works. Yeah. So we have a 24-hour crisis line at the crisis center that is staffed by a real human, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oftentimes, that's how um, the first point of contact for people. And so they'll call our crisis line. If they need emergency shelter, we offer that as well. So if they're seeking um, safe shelter from a violent situation, they're in imminent danger, they can come to us and we can fulfill that for them. And then we provide the therapy and the legal advocacy. So if they're looking for protection orders or child custody issues, um, divorce things, we have staff that work with them on that as well.
0: So does a victim stay with you, or do you find them other housing at the particular time, or how does that work? Yeah,
1: it really depends. So if they are in imminent danger, they can stay at our emergency shelter for up to 21 days, um, and that's about the average stay for people. And during that time, we work with them to find housing. um, If it's here in the the Douglas County area, the 18th Judicial Area, in Colorado, some of our victims go um, to other family in other states. We've assisted with that before. So it really depends on the situation. Every situation is unique. Um, and every, you know, every family is different that we serve, but it's really about working with them to help them achieve the goals that they want to
0: achieve. And I would imagine you are really urging that victim, don't go back, because I'll bet they do. I mean, even if if they're with you three days, all of a sudden going, I got to go back.
1: Absolutely. You know, on average, I think the statistic is that somebody leaves an average of seven times before they leave, leave, right? So yes, absolutely. They're going back several times. We at the crisis center, though, we don't take the approach of telling a victim what they should or shouldn't do. We really, we walk them through their journey and we help them with whatever resources they might need, whatever support they might need. But at the end of the day, it's their life and it's up to them if they choose to go back um, and we'll support them through that journey.
0: Well, because you really want to be a support system. You don't yeah. want to anger them by saying, exactly. Hey, you can't go back. Exactly. Well, if you have to go back, you have to go back. Right. But we're always here for you. Absolutely. Isn't that kind of the impression you're Absolutely.
1: Leave? Yep. And the reason that people stay is super complex, right? There there could be financial reasons. Um there could be children involved. A lot of times we see cases where there's children involved. Um you know, maybe there's religious reasons for people. Wow. So leaving is very complex. It's not just as easy as hey, why don't you just leave? It, it doesn't work that way in domestic violence situations.
0: Well, it's funny you should bring that up because I'm sure a lot of our friends that are listening now and you're thinking, get out. Right. Why don't you just leave? Right. Now, how do you respond to that, Amy?
1: Just that. It's so complex and you know, like I said, it takes somebody an average of seven times to leave. We use the analogy um, at work when we're presenting to people. Think about your job, right? It may not be your best job, your favorite job. You might not love going to work every day, but you still do it. And why do you do it? There's financial security there, right? right. There's probably a support system right. there. Um, so so all of those reasons in that analogy are very similar reasons to why a victim may not leave their perpetrator.
0: You know, it's hard to believe, but what's the most insecure situation for him? That, or I'm off on my own. What am I going to do? Exactly. I don't have a job. I don't have a place to go. I, I, exactly. what, where am I going? The that,
1: potential of lesser of two evils. Yeah, right. It's Maybe. Like, yeah.
0: It's like tugging yes. both ways. I yes. got to get out, but yet, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Exactly. So, what do you what do you say to them? I mean, what do you when they start coming in one time, two times, as you said, up to seven times? What do you tell them when you sit down? What do you what do you say? Yeah. So I mean, we that's got to be hard.
1: It, it is. We have an amazing staff of direct service staff. So our therapy team, our advocates, um, and and our legal advocates. And they really work with the client to determine what is important to them, what goals. And they can be very, very small goals. To you or I, they might be wanting to get a checking account where we go to the bank every week and it's not a big deal, right? right. But for somebody in this situation, maybe having their own checking account or getting their own vehicle, for example, could be something huge to them. So it's really about baby steps and working with them to achieve whatever goals that those clients set out and hope at the end of the day for the best for them.
0: And you can help them with those kind yep. of things. Yeah, so absolutely. We'll take yep. you to the bank. Or absolutely. We'll help yep. you get a car.
1: Absolutely. That's what our advocate team does. They they help set up bank accounts, um, rental assistance, utility assistance, um, enroll children in schools. Yeah.
0: So it's a complete support system.
1: Complete wraparound system. Yep
0: and i'm yeah. and, and reiterate i I just can't imagine if somebody's coming to you and you're offering all that you do at the crisis Center, yeah. why do they go back still I,
1: I, it's just complex I, you it know is. I, I think yes, if, if you haven't been in that situation, it's so, so hard to grasp, and I think you know i'm I'm on the fundraising side of of the agency, and trying to communicate that to our community is a huge challenge, and trying to get people to understand. And not victim blame, right? There's a phrase and term called victim blaming that it's not their fault. It's not the victim's fault that they're being beaten or berated or money withheld from them or whatever the case might be. It's it's the perpetrator's fault. And and so it's just hugely, hugely complex.
0: Is it the victim's fault?
1: It is not the victim's Ever. fault. Absolutely Unless, not. I mean,
0: I really want to reiterate that if sure. you are. Somebody listening right now. Absolutely. It's not your fault. It
1: is not your fault. You know, there's a huge movement right now, um, the Me Too movement, the Believe Survivors movement, all of that. And we come from a place, as, as I believe every domestic violence and other human service type agency probably does, believing the survivor. If somebody tells you a story, take it at face value. Believe it know that they are telling you the truth.
0: Something happened. Something
1: happened. Absolutely. They
0: might not have the details correct, but something has happened to this person. Absolutely, And you need to help out with that. Yep.
1: And our staff helps to unravel that for the clients that we serve.
0: Which opens the door for a lot of common sense decisions, I would think, after that. Yep. And I'm curious, if it's a physical abuse, Mm -hmm. do you try a little harder to get them to stay at the crisis center? Don't go back, as opposed to maybe a verbal abusive situation. I mean, that would be, I mean, somebody's coming in beat up. Mm-hmm. And you and they're wanting to go back. I, I would panic if I was working with that. Yeah, person.
1: we we see that a lot. Um, both cases, and I honestly don't know the physical abuse is worse than emotional abuse. You know, a lot of times with our clients, we've heard stories about taking the beating, so to speak, because then you know you you get it, you're done, you move on to the next thing. In a lot of cases, versus the emotional abuse that sticks with you. And and it's so ongoing and so demeaning in a lot of cases. I don't know that physical is worse than emotional, honestly.
0: Uh, Let me ask you about uh, the actual abusive process, predator, victim. Yeah. Does that happen in private situations? Can it happen in A party with friends, in the mall, at the grocery store?
1: Excellent Ah. question. Yeah, excellent question. So again, domestic violence is about power and control. It's not about somebody losing a temper or getting upset about something because of a one-off kind of thing. Um, And so oftentimes, and this is generally speaking, but you'll see somebody at a party, for example, like you said, in a group of 25 people, and the perpetrator, man, woman, whatever, is very charismatic, they're very gregarious, very engaging to their partner, to everybody else in that room, the other guests at the party, and they'll go home, and it's almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of situation. Right. A lot of times, I, I don't know the percentage, but a lot, the majority of the time, domestic violence happens behind closed doors. I would think. And that's that mentality of it doesn't happen here, but it does. It's truly happening in our communities, in your schools, in your neighborhoods, To your neighbor, potentially.
0: How much? I mean, how many victims? I mean, who do you deal with? I mean, is it? Oh, it's only one or two, or it's (laughs) thousands. I mean, and you just don't. We, as the public, don't know because we don't. As you just said, we don't see it. Right. Is it a lot? Is there a lot of that going on?
1: Absolutely, way, way more than the average person would ever estimate is happening. the The statistic is one in three women and one in seven men are victims of domestic violence at some point in their lifetime. On average, annually, the crisis center serves about 600 victims of direct service programs. So that's shelter therapy, legal advocacy, or community advocacy in our community. But the number of people that aren't reporting? I was going to ask you, how many
0: many aren't coming to you? Huge, yeah.
1: Yeah. We have a program with local law enforcement called the Lethality Assessment Program. And that um, basically is a program that determines, helps determine the um, risk of a victim being killed by their perpetrator. And so there's a series of questions that the law enforcement officer asks. Of those folks, we know that about 70% of the calls that we get from law enforcement would not have otherwise reported to the crisis center. That's So it's huge. There's, there's a ton of non-reported crime out crazy, there.
0: Crazy, crazy. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Amy McCandless of uh, the crisis center, director of development. If you have a friend going through this, and you know it's going on, yep. but they're not doing anything about it, do you advise that friend to reach out? Can you do that without their name being involved because they are a friend?
1: Great question. So to answer your question, as a friend, yes, I would encourage that person to reach out. I can't reach out On their behalf to the crisis center. We have to actually speak to that victim. They have to want to come to us. Otherwise, our services are going to be no good to them. If they don't want help, they're not going to be able to receive help, right? But I would highly, highly recommend, and I'll reiterate this again, but anybody who is in a situation um, that needs help, call that 24 hour crisis line, 303 688 8484. Always staffed by a real person. Yeah,
0: repeat that, please, people. I got to write that down. You bet.
1: 24 hour crisis line. 303-688-8484. 303-688-8484.
0: Now, if they're calling and they live in Thornton, yeah. you typically don't service that area. Do you we refer do them yes. to people?
1: Yes, absolutely. So call us. I mean, call call somebody. Call your local domestic violence agency. Um, but if you happen to live in the areas that we serve, Douglas, Albert, Lincoln, or Arapahoe, you can call us. If you don't call us anyway. We've got a plethora of referrals and resources that we can help with.
0: Do you have a website people can check out for help or Absolutely. just get some information about what we're talking about?
1: Absolutely. So if you check out the Crisis Center website at thecrisiscenter.org, that's thecrisiscenter.org, tons of information on
0: there. Good start there. Good start. Yeah. And of course, a lot of questions that people might have about, this is great. Does my insurance pay for this? How do I How do I pay? I, especially if you're walking out of the, the money situation, what do you do about that? Nope.
1: Well, lucky for them, the Crisis Center offers all of our direct service programs free of charge for clients. No client ever has to worry about paying if they come to our shelter, therapy programs, legal advocacy, or community advocacy programs. Um, We have some amazing funders that help with that, and, and we don't want clients to have to worry about having to pay on top of the other struggles that they're having.
0: Do you get any government resources to help you?
1: We do, yeah. We've got about 60% of our budget comes from government funding, so that's federal and local government. Um, And then we have some amazing partnerships with businesses, collaborative partners that do events for us, um, individual donors, definitely. And then we have our annual gala event each year that brings in about $140,000 for us. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, that's coming up, right? Yes, it is. Well, let's uh let's hammer it down. Absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Great. So November 2nd, it's a Friday night, um, from six to ten. We have a new location this year, which we're super excited about. It's called the Vehicle Vault out in Parker. Um, basically a, a car museum that has um a rare and exotic cars from all over the world, and we're hoping that's gonna be a great draw for our guests this year.
0: Well, I just did an event out there, MC'd an event. It is spectacular. Yeah. It's a great venue to yeah, be in and totally yeah especially for a guy who there you goes, go oh my, <laughs> i can't believe it. You know? see
1: and women like cars too <laughs> yes, so ladies yes, you know do. it's <laughs> not only guys
0: <laughs> so what happens at the gala is there entertainment i'm yeah. sure there's uh, auctions all that kind of
1: absolutely stuff, right? you know? absolutely so um yes besides the entertainment of the vehicles that you'll be able to to peruse and look at and take photographs with we have a keynote speaker this year we have um the 18th judicial district attorney george brockler um, who will be our keynote speaker. And he'll be speaking, I think, a lot to our partnerships with law enforcement and really the life-saving, truly life-saving programs that we are providing to the community. Um, and then we have a, a plated dinner. We have a silent auction. And then we have an auctioneer, Adam Kevell, great guy, who does a live auction and a paddle raiser for us.
0: Well, I'm going to work with him next week for another fundraiser, Adam Kevel. He's, he's a, Yeah, he's pretty good at what yep, he does. Absolutely.
1: He's been with us. This is our 11th year for Gala, and he's done it every year for us. That's so. a real
0: art. Yeah to be yeah, it I, is. I've done that a couple of times I hate it it's
1: amazing got, he's amazing you yeah
0: got, you gotta have a you gotta have an act of let's face it pull money out yeah, of the wallet
1: absolutely and that's exactly what this event is for um and the reason that we do it is so that we can have free programs and services for those in need.
0: So how do we get tickets for that? Big Absolutely. Event? So yeah.
1: that website that I mentioned, thecrisiscenter.org, when you go to that, there's a big banner with a GALA logo on the top. Just click on that and you can purchase individual tickets or tables of eight or 10 this year. We have two options. Um, you can click on that. And if you use the code CONNECTION, that's CONNECTION, you'll save $10 per ticket um, for tables as well.
0: Who usually attends that? Is that? Do victims attend that?
1: occasionally. Most of it is. Sponsors or people wanting to help kind of a thing. Yeah, most of it is community members. Um, A lot of business partners of ours, um, church partners, um, individuals, board members. um, It's really the whole gamut. But I would say it's it's people that are really looking to have an impact in domestic violence. Um, You know, you mentioned earlier that might be able to open their wallet. It's not a – you don't have to give a huge amount to make a huge impact. You know, the $25 gift at the event – is awesome. And the $5,000 gift at the event is awesome. So it really runs the whole gamut.
0: And all the money keeps the crisis center, basically the doors open.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All the funds go to our general operating funds, um, which again goes to support the free programs and services that we offer. Yeah.
0: That's a good thing. Uh, Let's back up just a little bit. We got some some time here in case people miss some of our early conversation here on uh, Mile High Magazine. Talk about the victims again who's involved, who are the victims, and and what do you advise them to do if they're sitting out there now going, boy, I'm, I'm going through that, I, I didn't know about the crisis center.
1: Absolutely, I think the best advice I can give you is if you think, if you even think for one second that you are in a situation that isn't healthy, maybe you're questioning if it's even abusive, maybe you're just like, oh, I don't know if that's okay. Well, that's a
0: good point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely,
1: because it's a fine line. You know, Unhealthy and abusive are two different things. But I would recommend if you're even questioning it, call that 24-hour crisis line, 303-688-8484. You'll talk to a real human and they'll be able to work you through it and and give you some resources and potentially give you some services if that's necessary.
0: And of course, the big thing is answer questions you might have about, am I in an abusive situation? It starts with that phone call. Absolutely, it does. And then you, you go from there. So if people have been in and out of your shelter, victims more than seven times and they keep doing it, do you just sit them down and going, yeah, it's, it, we can't keep going this way. Yeah, what are we, what are we going to do to help you to move on?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it's, that's gotta,
0: that's gotta happen.
1: It does happen. It does. Yeah. Um, and because it's so complex, it's not like, you know, you, you break your arm, you go to the doctor, you get a cast, the cast stays on for you know six weeks or whatever, And then the cast goes off and your arm is fixed. Right. Right. That isn't domestic violence. It's oftentimes so ingrained in people because it's generational. It's cyclical. Right. They maybe grew up with it in their home. They maybe have experienced it with other family members or whatever. It's so hard to tell somebody. And it's frankly not our place to tell somebody, don't leave. Don't go back. Do this. Don't do that. Right. So we really work with them to set their own goals. What What is going to keep you safe? We do a lot of safety planning. At the end of the day, if they go back to their perpetrator, how can you remain safe in a situation? Do you have a cell phone that's untrackable? Um, do you have a car that you can leave in if right. you need to? Things like that.
0: Does the intensity of the abuse increase? It can. If they keep going back yeah. and the person who's the perpetrator is saying, oh, they must like this. They keep yeah. coming back.
1: Yeah, it definitely can. Um, there's a statistic out there that um, – you know, as I mentioned earlier, it takes an average of about seven times for a person to leave a situation and usually this is not always the case. Um, but usually the last time that the person tries to leave can be the most fatal time. So yes, it escalates. Um, it, it's cyclical, of course, but it can definitely if if they've left once and that perpetrator is really upset about it and they try to leave again or again or again, it's going to escalate right. Mm-hmm.
0: And so the final time is probably the scariest Absolutely. time when they finally make that Absolutely. decision. I have got to do something about yes. this. Can we talk about a term I heard you use earlier that I have never heard before? And I don't understand. What is gaslighting?
1: Gaslighting. Yeah. Um, so there's an old movie about gaslighting. And basically the term is um, a mental health term that, and, and I want to preface this by saying I'm not a mental health counselor by any means, but um it's basically when a perpetrator makes a victim think they're crazy. So, for example, you know, we might have heard a story that a, a person, a victim, was hit by a perpetrator's elbow, right? He he elbowed her in the face, for example, and yet he made it seem like it was her fault.
0: Like she, she walked ran, into his elbow? She ran
1: into him, exactly. Ran wow. into the door, fell down the stairs because she tripped and was clumsy, Things like that, where in the reality, in the truth, he did that to her. But he's using that manipulation and that power and control in her mind and her brain to make her think she's crazy. So gaslighting is real. It's a real thing that perpetrators use. It's a real um, manipulative tool, if you will, that we see a lot of with the clients we
0: serve. And sometimes, and maybe this is movies or TV shows speaking to me, don't the victims kind of go along with that gaslighting of the person who's the perpetrators? Oh, yeah, yeah, I just ran into a closet door.
1: I think in public, yeah, absolutely, yeah. because of the stigma of, and that that you know that goes back to the, it doesn't happen here, right? It doesn't happen to me. I I I hit a wall. I twisted my ankle and fell down, as right. opposed to being pushed by my perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that there's unfortunately a stigma, and that's why people don't report. Um, that's why people hide it. That's why it happens behind closed
0: doors. Do the victims have a tendency before they call the crisis center? Is they call the police? Did no, the police get involved often. at a first level?
1: Uh, at a first level, I would say, oftentimes not. Um, police do get involved. Sure, Sometimes, they do. Absolutely, Sometimes, yes, yeah. for sure. And that you know speaks to our lethality assessment program partnership with local law enforcement. Um, but no, a lot of times police are not involved before they call the crisis center. Before the victim calls the crisis center, um, we do get referrals from police through the LAP program. But a lot of times the victim reaches out without law enforcement. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's hard to believe sometimes yeah. that they wouldn't call the cops first. Yeah. yeah. And how about victims that do come in with children? Yeah. And let's say the victim wants to go back, but the children are scared. They they know it. They're not stupid. They know what's going on. What yeah. happens there Do you? What happens?
1: Good question. Um, You know, in a lot of cases like that, I think there could be other family members that children might go to if they had that resource. Oftentimes, the kids just go back. You know, mom says, I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to just suck it up and do it. Yeah. Um, and it's not healthy. You know, it just, it adds to that generational oh, cycle. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you must see it all, right, Amy? We do. Well. We do.
1: The gamut. Yeah.
0: Well, thank goodness yep. for the crisis center. you yeah, <laughs> All the work you it's guys It's hard work, are doing. you
1: know, but it's very, very important work. And when I can do outreach like this and educate people and just let people know that there is help out there. You're not alone and you will be believed. You will be heard. Call our crisis line a crisis line um talk to somebody if you need help call somebody and talk to them
0: well yeah, exactly but let's let's start up with your crisis line again let's get it out there because absolutely. even if you don't live in Douglas County or these areas or Appolo County there's help out there everywhere
1: absolutely yep so 303 688 8484, 24-hour crisis line, always staffed by a real person, so you'll be able to talk to somebody any time of day or night.
0: And again, the website, if you're just curious.
1: Yes, Crisis Center website, thecrisiscenter.org. And again, you'll see a large banner on the top for our gala event coming up, and we would love to see everybody out there.
0: Man again. Let's uh, we got a minute left here. Let's run down that gala again. We let's sell that bugger right Absolutely. out. Absolutely, know? it's going to be
1: a fantastic event. November second, Friday night. Vehicle Vault, great location. Um, some amazing auction items that you can look forward to. Africa trip, Mexico trip. Um,
0: really, one of the cars. Yeah. One of the cars. <laughs> and probably
1: not one of the cars. I'll have to talk to them about that.
0: Doggone it.
1: <laughs> but really, some amazing, amazing stuff um, that really, at the end of the day, goes to support an amazing cause.
0: Does it typically sell out? It will. Yeah. It yeah. will. Yeah.
1: yeah, about 300 people.
0: Well, so yeah. first come, first serve. Absolutely. And if you want to take advantage and help the crisis yep. center, how do they get the tickets? Absolutely.
1: Again? So thecrisiscenter dot Click on the banner, and if you use the code connection, that's connection, you'll save ten dollars per ticket.
0: Well, Amy McCandless of uh, Director of Development. Yeah. What else do you do besides do fundraisers and talk like this? You're pretty good at this.
1: This is this is what I do. <laughs> I, is, I, I raise the money and I talk to people, and uh, yeah, I help support our staff however I can.
0: Well, we certainly appreciate you uh, coming down to do a Mile High Magazine. It's (laughs) good to get the word out. And if you're out there wondering, gosh, I I think this is something I need to check out, don't put it off. Absolutely. I mean, you've probably put it off long enough Mm -hmm. already. Take a step, get some help, and then go from there. And again, Amy, thanks for coming in.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you.
0: Yeah, it's great to talk to you as well. And thank you all for listening today. It's Mile High Magazine. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll join you again next Sunday.